The abiding invitation is for you to get rid of that identity as an angry person. And what is this abiding language in doing? It's intercepting where you're abiding right now and giving you a better choice. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I Our reading today is from John 15, 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. I don't know if you notice this or not, but I'm obeying. I am enthralled to my reformed heritage. Do you know that? I really am. And you know how you know I am? You'll know I am because we're not preaching on Christmas texts. (laughs) This is a classic. If you're familiar with my tradition at all, if you're familiar with my tradition, uh, in the Presbyterian tradition, you never celebrate any day over another. There's no special services. There's no, at least traditionally, that's where we are. And so I was taught that uh, you, you, don't, you don't take a break for Easter or Christmas. I do sometimes. I, and obviously, you know, these rules are good servants, but they're poor masters. They don't really help very much. But these tradition, uh, the tradition I'm breaking with today uh, is, uh, and I, I, the tradition I'm keeping, I'm sorry, is, is staying where we are here in John chapter 15. But I, I want to I tell you, let's connect this with Advent. Let's connect this with Advent. 
And that's obviously Latinized. We're going to see some of the Latinized uh, versions of Lord are going to apply a little later. But uh, Advent, to come to. And, and, and if I, I could, and we, we could take the time. We won't today. But, but if you ever want to take the time with me, I'll do it. And I'll take you from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And we'll find there a promise of Advent, a coming to you and me. If we go on from there, we will see an advent in every habitation of worship that God creates. When his people lived in tents, what did God live in? He lived in a tent. And when the people moved into the land and they had homes, what did God live in? He lived in a home. And in fact, when we witness God, when the people of God were carted off to Babylon, God appears to the people of God again in Ezekiel. And do you know what he's on? He's on wheels. He's on wheel. He's always been advertising that he's coming to us, that he wants to be with us, that there's a desire for union with us. And and so what Jesus is doing right here is the promise of Advent, the coming to you of God, the coming to us all and to this world of the presence of God. So I, that's, 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 it's, it is very, very Advent. I don't think it's, I'm shoehorning this into a Christmas story. But uh, I, I'm a little bit confused, a little bit frustrated. I'm sorry, not confused. I'm, I hope I'm not confused. Uh, frustrated. Because uh, what we're going to do, and I've told you this before, every time we're in these texts, I, this is our first time in this text, really. Every time we go into them, I, 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 we want to plunder it. I just want to plunder everything. I, I mean, there's just stuff here. My friends, ah, oh, we haven't even touched that stuff today, unfortunately, because it's just, there's an abundance and embarrassment of riches theologically and personally and devotionally and for worship and you name it. It's all there. It's all, that's a new, I haven't hit that before. All right, so... But what I want us to do is take a look at the word today. What I want us to focus on is on the word abide. Did you catch it? It happens a lot in the text. Abide. And I don't like it. But I can't think of a good replacement for it. Honestly, if you want to put your heads together with mine and think about it, we can. But abide, the reason I don't like it is because, at least for some of you, all you hear is, and all I hear is, the dude abides. Is anybody, anybody big Lebowski fans for whom this is just the dude abides? And, that, and for some reason, that, that meme, and I know Lindsay's frowning. She doesn't understand what I'm talking about. But, but some of you don't. Some of you do. Some of you do. And, uh, it's, and, 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 he, and the dude is the main character in the, in the, in the movie, The Big Lebowski. I'm not going to talk anymore about that. Except to mean that these words have, you see here I'm saying, these words have tones to them. They have, they have connections with us that, ha- that will refer to things that may not really bring us into intimacy with God. And I'm concerned about abide words because they sound antique to me. They sound remote. Does anybody here use the word abide in any regular parlance? No, none of us, none of us have ever said the word abide in, in, a, in, a, in a casual conversation. And so antique language worries me. It irritates me. It feels like it removes us from the vivid meaning of the text. 
And so as we're talking about abides, you hear the word abide. I want you to hear the plethora, the the abundance, the the richness of the Greek, the richness of the original language. This means to to stay in one place, to live, to dwell permanently. It used to mean at sometimes just to stay the night, to lay your head down in a certain place, to call a place home, to live, to dwell. It's more than merely, it's it's an idea of presence with somebody or someone else, to abide with them. And the reason I want to keep the word, too, is because of all the beautiful hymns that, you, that I hope you'll learn someday, Abide With Me. I mean, there's just wonderful, wonderful songs in the, the, the Christian faith about abiding. And I guess it has some of that, maybe it has some of those connotations in English, but I worry about antique language because what I don't want you to do is to, is to not have a fresh, vivid sense of what this means for us in Advent, this coming to us that God would live with us, we would live with and in him. So I, I, this sermon is very, very simple. We're going to look at the idea of abiding. And what I want to do is I want to break down the abiding. We must abide in him. Then to follow that and hard on the heels of it, if we would abide in him, we must abide in his words. There's an idea of his words having a presence in us and for us. And then there's an abiding in his love. And actually the word abide is used for those three things. And we're just going to unpack them as a progression, as an opening, as as a work of the spirit for us. So let's, let's, let's see where we, where we get with it. Maybe I should open my notes and take a look at them. Make sure I'm not going off the rails here. So um, let's, before we even get in there, I do want to, I want to put out something else now. And it comes close on this abide concept. Do you notice how Jesus, it's all or nothing in this text? He says here uh, in this, in this one, one of the most important verses of this text, in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he weighs presenting himself as the avenue for fruitfulness for us, that apart, it's all or it's nothing with him. And the reason I want to kind of punch out the gate here is because it's kind of, I don't know how you wrestle with this. I remember, I remember talking, about, uh, talking with Arnov about... Uh, about John 3 this way, and because I don't see it right away, but if you, some of us, you, you might have seen it. Uh, there's an all or nothing here in judgment. Did you see that? I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, right there, you get this idea of branches in him, well, what that means, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What is this taking away? It happens again here uh, in uh, uh, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Where is it? If anyone does not abide in me, here it is. He is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire. Here's really, what's really odd. The Greek here at the end of verse six is not impersonal. It says he is burned. It's not to say it. It says he. It personalizes it. With judgment. And you see that there's a fault line. With the, in the Advent, one of the things we don't talk about, and we have to talk about, is Christ creates a fault line. He's going to create it in your life. He's going to create it in the city. And he creates it around himself all the time. That is either you're for him or you're against him. It's all or it's nothing. Either, and, 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 this kind, and this abiding language really brings this home, doesn't it? It's all or you're on the outside. 
you are withering. You are under judgment. And you see it, and there's a, and I want you to hear the judgment here, the judgment that happens. This is all or nothing presentation of Jesus that is so important for Christmas. It's uh, kind of stark. There's a stark reality here that kind of is almost kind of jarring. Did you hear it? Did you hear it when it was being read? Or did you pass over it easily? Or did you hear? Did you hear? It's the, uh, the branch is in him, even. Every branch in me. And I think it's a reference to being, being um, um, the Jewish nation. But, but uh, we're not going to go into any great detail on this. But I want to begin with this because I want to build on this because the all or nothing keeps happening. We're going to return to it. It happens, it happens as we understand. Let's look at the word abide and we can see how all common it is in here. Abide in me, abides, abide, abide. And you know what I missed one? Did you notice I missed this one? Your fruit should abide down here. I missed this last one. And, I, and even as, as, uh, as, as uh, Simon was reading, I thought to myself, what a wonderful, uh, this is going to work so well with the application of the final point. Because that abide is the abiding that we kind of create in others. And it's, it's kind of a cool, uh, our fruit abiding is other people. So, uh, all right, but anyway. Abide, abide. So remain, stand, live, dwell, uh, be in, uh, identify, uh, become part of the family. Abide, abide, abide. What I want to hear, what do I want you to hear in this? I want to hear two features that I notice in this abide language. I don't know if you notice them. One of them is kind of passive. You know what it's, it's rest. It's rest. Kick your legs up. You know, it's, it's, Abiding. It's, it's, it, what do you do to abide? You show up. You, you, you don't really do anything in one sense. It has this wonderful, receptive, beautiful, I receive abiding. And you can see this, I receive something here in this. But I want you to hear it too, as it's read in verse 4, and then again in verse 9. And in verse 4 and verse 9, I actually did the paragraph turn here, because I think the subject changes. And I did not edit it by taking out... That X, that, uh, that uh, quotation mark. Sorry about that. But um, these, these, are, these are commands. So, it not, so it's, it's, it's one thing, and it's a, it's, it's a vital thing. It's, it's a thing you can't know God without to say that you must learn how to rest in him. You must learn how to rest in the cross. We'll talk about this in just a second. Resting in his work. Resting in his person. Re- being at rest. But then the command seems to be almost the opposite. Well, go get abiding, like seek it out. And, and you have this sense of something ongoing, something practiced, something habitual, something sought, something uh, carefully curated, perhaps, something that you, something you treasure, something that you intentionally are living in, right? So it has both these features of, of, of faith and works, as it were, right? <laughs> and, and, and the beautiful way those things and the synergy of those things. Abiding has a beautiful way of capturing, of capturing how faith always works. And works always must come from living works. Abiding works come from faith. Like, right, there's this wonderful synergy there. And so we find, it, we shouldn't be surprised, we'll have these two, 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 two tensions. How do we be at rest in abiding? And how do we be active in abiding? And I hope, hopefully we'll, we'll learn something about how to do those two things. My main goal today is to teach my people, it says here, <laughs> you, how to abide in Christ and why it's so necessary. All right, let's see where we get with this and see what happens to us and for us. 
And of course, it begins with, abide in me. The first thing that Christ does is he presents something. Um, uh, remember, I always say the gospel's in the prepositions. The gospel and some of its magic and mystery and beauty and presence exists in what the, what the prepositions mean. Because the prepositions imply an invasion of your personal space, <laughs> an invasion of your personhood. And, and this first concept of abide in me is, is, is the idea of finding all of our identity in finding who we are in connection and relationship, personal knowledge of Jesus Christ is available right now. I proclaim for you nothing less. I must proclaim nothing less for he himself is promising a living, abiding relationship, isn't he? Sorry. And uh, it's your first Sunday with us and I spit on you already. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, but there's, an, there's a mystical invitation into his personhood. And, and I've, I've diagrammed this before. We are being invited into the eternity. We're being invited into, into the Trinity, into its eternal life. And not into it as in a member of the Trinity. We're being invited into the Trinity as, as in a sense, ensconced in the heavenlies, right? This is the idea of abiding in him. It's finding your identity and, 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 and self in him. And, and how can we do this? How can we do this? And now, so I'm inviting you, in a sense, to what? To be at rest. To be at rest. Rest, what? what's this first abiding? It's the personal way you call on Jesus to be the savior of your sins. To be the one who has died for your, your record. Who has died for your faults. Who, who was hung on a cross like you should have hung. And he stands as the substitute. And when he says abide in me, he's saying abide in my substitution, in my standing in your place. Abide in that, live in it. For you have a new identity in that. A new identity free and full. An identity of a forgiven son. And yet now abiding makes sense because now we, we are now in Jesus. We go to the cross in him. And in him, in the cross, we, we die with him. We, we die for our sins. And then when he's raised again, all that abiding, all that mystical connecting language that defines us now says we are defined by the cross and the resurrection. Praise him. Now, I'm inviting you to personally know Jesus. Now, some of you will say, that sounds very evangelistic, Chris. And it sure is. And don't look around, Chris. How many people don't know Jesus in this room? But I want to, I want to tease at something here a little bit more. And I want to tease it the way Christ himself offers himself to you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the passage in Revelation. Because you see, there's a passage in Revelation where Christ is, he's, he's dealing with the church and the church that, that seems pretty independent of him. It seems like it can, it, it can live without him. And you know what he says? He tells that church, behold, I stand at the door and what? Knock. If anybody would invite me in, I will come in. I'll make my dinner with him. I'll make my home in there. That was a message, that is an image, that is an illustration, that is a picture of Jesus' invitation to Christians. Those are Christians in that audience, not, not, not non-believers. What are we being invited into here? There's, a, there's in this inn, there's nothing static. Oh, there's a static place to start, right? All of the glory and forgiveness of Jesus. But like we, we get rest in abiding, we also get power in abiding. 
We get motion in abiding. Abiding itself is an action. And so the second part of this is for us to grow in intimacy with Jesus by accepting his invitation for just such a thing. Praise him. I want you to hear gently and sweetly that Jesus loves to invite the people who think they already know him full well to a deeper knowing and abiding, a living and identifying in who he is. Amen and amen. Do this, will you with me? Let's do this together. Because where are you abiding, brother? We tend to abide or remain or find our rest in, 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 in our problems, don't we? That's where we tend to sit. Where do you, man, where do you remain? <laughs> where do you tend to live? What's your headspace? What's its location? For a lot of us, it's fear, anxiety, anger. We've, and, we, and we've let those things identify us. And a lot of times we've let our, our struggles identify us. Like, I'm an angry person. I'm a worrier. I'm a, I'm, I'm, you know what I say to that? You are not identified by your problems. You are identified by the grace and presence of Jesus. <laughs> you are identified by the grace and presence. The abiding invitation is for you to get rid of that identity as a warrior, as an angry person, as a, as a person beholden to lust, whatever it is that you're struggling with right now and the way you tend to identify your personal life. And what is this abiding language in doing? It's, it's intercepting the way where you're abiding right now and giving you a better choice, <laughs> inviting you into a deeper life with Christ, inviting you into new intimacy. Aren't you tired of abiding with your doubts? Aren't you, haven't you made decisions to choose to live in those places? And here is the son. Here is the son in his love and his grace. Here he appears and he says, no, I abide in me. I come. I personally invite you to personally know me as I want to person. It, it makes sense. He's building an argument so he can call them what? Friends, right? That's where this is going. Praise him. All right. Abide in him. So this first, this first idea here, I hope you hear it, uh, and, and you hope you, you hear it and you want it, and then it animates you. But let's go further. Let's go to the second thing. Because that first one, in one sense, um, it, it, in one sense, it doesn't have any content. What I mean is, is that it could, you could hear that and go, I like this, Chris. I'm all groovy with abiding in Jesus. This feels good. Maybe you like the Doobie Brothers. That's an old band that you should probably listen to. You would say, Jesus is just all right with me. Yeah. Maybe you're like, I'm cool, cool with this. But I want to share, and it's, I was watching, a, um, by the way, if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, you got to see it. It's so fun. If you can't, it's, it's, I like the Star Wars world. I enjoy it. I enjoy the fantasy that it is, the fantasy it creates. And because the, the third, the very last Star Wars, ha, uh, <laughs> is coming out this month, I thought to myself, I'll watch the first two of the last series, because they're so forgettable, I can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember the plot. <laughs> so I had to go back and watch it again so I can remember. They're really forgettable movies. But we you know what's interesting about this? I was listening to the force language, and I'm, and I'm in this text, and so it's interesting. I see things differently when I'm in the scripture like this. This is illustrating this point <laughs> very perfectly. I tend to see things a little differently. And one of the things I noticed about the force they never, uses, they never use the word good or evil. It never appears. Darth Vader's never called evil or bad. He's just called the dark. And the Jedi are not called good. 
They're called the light. And then as you kind of watch it for a little bit, you realize the Jedi teaching that, that they're constantly talking about never discusses how you should live or what goodness is. It never discusses what, it never gives you any content. It doesn't give you any content. It doesn't ever tell you go and die for another. Go be the good guy hero is basically the command of being a Jedi, right? And that's your connection with it, right, Johnny? There you go. We resonate, but if we pay any attention to the world's visions of where we need to abide, they have no content. You see what I mean? They're an invitation to an experience. Reach out with your feelings, Luke. You get it? It's all personal experience. It's all this, this all, you, could, you could do this first point I just did today and merely want or think I am preaching to you at a spiritual experience of Jesus. And that is not sufficient. You have to have, if you would abide in him, you must abide in his word. Look at this. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. If you, don't hear, if you don't hear how wondrous that is, and if you don't hear a new call for why you should be reading your Bible study, reading your Bible every morning, then you're not really not paying attention. <laughs> your heart really is hardened. What? Picking I'm picking on the Felixes. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's all good. They deserve it. They deserve it. And... Uh, and I want you to hear about this. So this idea of the word, my words abide in you. If you would abide in Christ, you must be passionate about his word. Why? Because he spoke, what does he say? I spoke all that the father told me to speak. What does it say? Where does it say that? All that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You know, I don't think he's just talking about the synoptics. I think Jesus takes personal, personal ownership of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know, you get, you get the picture. On to Revel, all the way to Revelation. So what, what's this call to abide? To find new rest in his words. And to find being the active part, rest being the passive part, but abiding. I got to tell you guys, look, I guess in one sense, you know, the pa- who's surprised that the pastor is telling you to read your Bible? And you know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, we get that. You've, you missed the point. If you think of Bible reading as a chore, as many of us will at times do, and we tend to think of it as some, some, uh, some Christian practice that we ought to be better at, well, amen, you probably should. But that's not what it is at heart. What it is at heart is an invitation by Jesus into his personal space and love and thoughts. You were invited into the thinking of Jesus. And he's saying, I want you to root out everything that you think, because there's a new vine, a new root, right? I want you to root out wherever your dependence you're depending on and depend on the things I say, that I say in my scripture. And you can't depend or abide in Jesus if you don't know what he said. You see? You see, how, you see how you've cheated yourself of the opportunity by, by, by sloppy and you're being sloppy about your biblical reading, by not being earnest because that you have a, ch- a chance for abiding and that abiding in you. This is really important, guys. This is essential, as it were, to this process. It's a whole deal. Remember I said Jesus is all or nothing? He's all or nothing himself, and then his whole system is all or nothing. <laughs> you can't have him and not have his words. You can't say, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't listen to what he says. That doesn't make any sense. And he's telling you right here, it makes an evil, it doesn't make any sense at all. Because when he invited you to read your Bible, it was not a chore. It was an invitation to abiding. Do you get this? 
The scriptures in you are an open, are an open invitation to, to a living, breathing presence of God himself. His word in you, praise him. <laughs> and this, I, I, this is why I'm, I know many of you say, just read it every day. I'm sorry, let me be really blunt with you. We are the people of a book. We believe the book is the mouth of a God. Why don't you read it all the time? You get, that's a, these are, this is basic, baseline commitments in our, in our tradition. And it's what the Holy Spirit will remind you and teach you the things Christ said. Where will you find the anointing of the Holy Spirit? You will find it as you abide in the word and you call on the Holy Spirit to open it to you. You see, remember that we've talked about this before, this escalating kind of this wonderful feedback loop that expands and opens and opens new life to us. Abide in his word. I, I um, um, read it. Uh, I want you to even catch this. Do you catch this? It's kind of cool. Look at, look, look, look at verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Do you see how verse 3 is a restatement of the previous clause? In other words, Christ is saying, the Father prunes. I've spoken words. That's why you're clean. The Father's pruning, and your life happens through what? Reading your Bible. <laughs> you, uh, let me tell you some, some pruning. Look, we got very good. At, well, a lot of us have gotten very good at reading our Bibles, so they don't really bother us. I... I, I, I um, I don't know if you're like this, but speed bumps, speed bumps irritate me terribly. And there's a set of speed bumps right as you go down uh, one, of, one of the streets towards my house where they, they've segmented the speed bump. So there's a center one. And that center one I know is just about the width of my axle. So if I hit it dead on, I barely feel a thing and I don't have to slow down. Right? I have defeated the speed bump and I'm all over it. Every chance I can, I'm defeating that speed bump. Do you do that with the Bible? Do you do that with the Bible? You know there's a bump coming, and the bump's going to unsettle you because of the way you're living and the way you're acting and the, and the way you've given in to fear and the way you've listened to fear's words. Well, fear's words is going to become your Bible. The words of doubt are your scripture. When the words of selfishness and anger are your new, are your new scripture, your new testament. We do this, don't we? We listen to the words. What has Christ called us to do? What has Christ called us to do? Give up those words, the false words and the false scripts and the false thinking and the, and the stinking thinking, if you want to put it that way, about who and what you are and replace it with his words. Because his words are catalytic and alive. And by the spirit, they create all sorts of things you don't even expect and can't even can in your head. You can't even imagine. This is what I want to invite you into. Read your Bibles and act of faith. Read it as merely an act of faith. And when you do so, you will be abiding, you see, and with an opportunity for pruning and cleansing. Many of you are very frustrated. My deep, deep patterns of self-love, frustration, consumerism, uh, tongue control, bitterness, all those things, my unholy trinity of fear, anger, and uh, what's my third one? Anxiety. My unholy trinity. It has a Bible, it has its words for me. It invites me to abide with those words. I don't want them anymore. Do you want yours? Turn your heart to the word and trust our Savior again. Stop being so independent of it. 
Stop thinking that you sit in judgment of it. Stop thinking of it as something ancillary. Stop thinking of something as secondary or something you kind of carried along. No, it, it is life. Life in Christ. And the whole New Testament borrows a title for Jesus called the Word. That's how important it is. For when you abide in the Word, you abide in the Word himself. Amen? Amen. Let's turn from the words and the false promises of our of our idols, right? And the things we worship. There's nothing there. Let's abide. Ah, all right, a little practical. All right, memorize. And I will tell you, if you don't want to memorize, a lot of you just went, ain't no way I'm doing that. <laughs> memorize really short verses. Uh, how would you like, how about this? Here's a very, the shortest verse in the Bible. Does anybody know what it is? Jesus wept. You all just learned a Bible verse. <laughs> Jesus wept. It's a very important verse, by the way. It's a very important verse because it's one of those places where Jesus says, I will abide with you. I will abide in your pain. Ooh, he is precious. He is Savior. He is Lord. Uh, both Lord. Uh, let's, let's unearth some of this idea. Uh, what I want to, why do I want you to read your scriptures? And I, I heard this recently from an old-timey preacher, and I love this so much I wanted to pick it up. But do you know what the Latin word for Lord is? Dominus. Dominus. And Christ calls himself Lord twice in this by calling himself the Almighty. Verse 5, he calls himself the I Am in Greek. In verse 1, this is the last of the I Am statements with a predicate where he has something on the other end of it. And this is number 7. I am the vine. I am. This is it. This, this is the last one. But that's the claim to lordship. And I, and I heard this thing, Dominus, Dominus, Dominus. Do you know what God's calling you when he says, abide in my words? He says, let me dominate your thoughts. Let me dominate your imagination. Let me dominate how you think and plan. Let me dominate your schedule and your reading schedule. Let me dominate your worldview. Let me dominate, right? And what does that mean? He becomes Lord, Lord of your thoughts. He becomes a good root now of truth. Ah, praise him. Praise him. Now, all right, so I've invited you, and this text is inviting us, to a resting abide and a pursuing abiding, right? A re being at rest and yet being actively pursuing that rest. And as I'm painting this, we see the first place to do that was in Jesus himself. You can have a personal knowledge with Jesus, and if you know Jesus already, you can increase that knowledge dramatically with new intimacy that you have not tasted. And honestly, if you're getting bored with the sermon, just start praying that God would do that right now. And if you think it's your wife that needs it or your husband, then start praying for them. I don't care. Start praying for everybody in the room. <sighs> All right. So the second part of this, the second part I want us to hear in the abiding is that it is not enough to simply abide in Jesus like it was some sort of metaphysical trip or some sort of great experience. We must abide in the objective record of his words. He has pronounced truth, a truth that stands for all time and redefines you. Don't listen to your old scripts. They're false. The words and promises of your anger and your lust and your fear are false. They have no power. Apart from him, you can do nothing. But as I want the binding to get you, I want this vision of abiding to grow. Grow to what? Well, because this abiding has a fruit, has a flower that's abiding too. 
You see, abiding creates abiding. <laughs> Living creates, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? When you live with somebody, you get to know them and you, you get to know where they keep the, keep the bread and where the forks and the, and don't you hate this when you're in a new, a new house? Where's the trash can? When you're in the kitchen, you're like, everybody's got the trash can in a different spot in their kitchen, <laughs> some behind a different cabinet. But what are you doing when you're in the words of God? You know where the kitchen cabinet is for God. You know the, you know the layout of the place. You know what's there. You've grown, you see. You're growing, but that's not enough. And a lot of Christians love the idea of Christ in you, and they love the idea, and they love the idea of go and know the word, but let me hear me. I could end now and merely leave you for the judgment of God. I'm dead serious. For what I have said is not enough yet, because the Holy Spirit will have his fruit, and the word will have its production, and the fruit will come, right? And what's the fruit? Love. <laughs> it's love. It's, it's such a precious fruit. And I want you to pay attention to this. This is how much I love the Bible. The Bible has truth. I don't find it anywhere else. I found it today while, while Simon was reading. When we abide in his love, your fruit should, also, your fruit should abide. What kind of fruits are you talking about? New Christians, new baby believers, people who become abiders, right? People who would abide too. Um, um, abstract things don't abide. They can't live. and have, it, This is about people. And I didn't see until just now, and the word opens up. You should pray for the word to open up to you like this, because it's the most thrilling thing in the world, for me at least, to see how in this is all the pure message of gospel love. So... If you abide in Christ, his words abide in you. You have now become a person of self-sacrificing love. Bam. Abide in my love. Ooh, now we begin to see something new. Now we begin to identify something else. Now we begin to see all these yous here. What are all these yous? You've heard me say, what do you think they all are? None of them is in the singular. None of them are in the singular. They're, they're to a group. They're to a community. They're for a community. They're, they're through a community, you see? You see, love and, and this idea experience of abiding is Johnny abiding with me, me abiding with Simon, us abiding, you us abiding together. This is why Bible study is not merely an exercise for me to get a certain level of commitment out of you. No, it's an invitation into the words and into the people. It's presence, Praise him. Because <laughs> you see, that's what he did. He became present for us, right? He became real. Advent, he came to us. So what should you do now? This is, guys, I think we, this is where we, when we cash in on this idea of abiding in his love, then we begin to realize we, we have so often uh, held back. We have so often retreated at this point, right? We're so often, look, religion is fine as long as it doesn't really ruin my life. All right, because you being connected with other people's lives and messes and problems is nothing but a mess, right? We're being invited into all the different, and, and you know what? This is where love has its cost. <laughs> it's where love has its truth. And it's where love shines. Oh, praise him. You know, I, 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 so what's been made available by the Holy Spirit and this abiding now is something new for our marriages. So, do you have a vision for your marriage? That your marriage is a place of abiding love of the Father. And then, remember this, uh, and I've used this before, what, we got to remember what, what, the, what love means in the kingdom. Um, I'm going to pick on somebody. Johnny, come here. Johnny, come here. 
<laughs> Johnny is my favorite punching bag. <laughs> One of my favorite. Eric's not here, so you have to do. Now, a lot of times, if we were to talk about our love for each other, and I sincerely love you, and I know your, your love for me, it's, it's, it's one, of my, one of my things I'm really thankful for, your friendship. Now, I experience that with you all the time. Now, one of the ways we could evaluate the love of this friendship, I'm not going to crack a joke or anything. <laughs> one of the ways we could evaluate the love of this friendship is by how we feel about it, right? right. And you walk away and say, dude, I feel good. I feel... And that's fraternity. That's all. There's a real blessing in that. But let me, Peter, come here. But honestly, how authentic our love is before God is not how we feel. It's how Peter feels when he walks up if he's a stranger. Do you catch this? What is the mark of your abiding love? It is not how comfortable you are with Jesus and other Christians. It's how comfortable they are in your presence. And how do they, do they feel invited in your relationships? Or do they feel closed out? Because what, what do we tend to do? Somebody like Peter, what do we tend to you know, just, it's a little, it's a little, <laughs> hey, that's what, thank you. That's all I wanted to do. Because, and that's how we, but what we illustrate there is how we can live in his love and these yous can become activated by the spirit into something very, very new, something winsome and powerful, something which the world cannot deny or, or reject and where people love each other and love others and invite them into that love with no, with no benefit for yourself. That's what love does. Love is willing to love where there's no benefit. That's true love, right? Well, there's no advantage. There's no upside for me. Do you, are you loving this way? Because when I, in the end, this is where everything kind of comes into play. You've got, we've got to uncap this in our hearts. Because if we, if we continue to do the Christian thing, which is this. I'm all about being in Jesus. And I, yeah, I like the word. I like having truth. Now, I'll tell you what. That's, that's most of my Presbyterian and Reformed tradition. Right there. We did our job. We have truth. We know we're in God. And we generally like people that look like us. You know, you hear it? Haven't you seen it in your own heart? Don't you see that we have stifled? And I'll tell you something else that happens here. This is kind of the interesting part that I don't know how to portray for you, but it's, it's written all over this text. Your ability to love others and you uncorking that love, uncorking as it were, all of that, all this agape that's meant to pour out of us, frees the whole system up. If you abide, if you have this abiding son, you like the abide in me and abide in my words, you, we, Christians are like fish. Now we'll say that theology is like fish. Let's say theology is like fish. It is. Theology is like fish. It stinks after three days. If you don't eat it, you don't reproduce it, this theology that you just enjoyed hearing about and the ideas that perhaps found winsome or joyful to you, they don't mean anything other than a little gift you get to carry home for yourself. And if that is what you have thought of preaching, if that's what you thought church is about, then you haven't understood anything that our Savior is doing here and anything of the openness of an eternal love for you and for me and the grandeur and the invitation that's in it. And you see, you hear it again, it's all this, and this is where I, in the final, as I kind of wrap this up, is I, I want you to hear how invitational God is, how preciously he beckons, how in all of these things he's welcoming, and you and I are to be that welcoming too, in the ways in which we love each other and love this world, you see? And then what'll happen when that happens? A greater knowledge of Christ comes, 
and the abide in me and the abide in my words begins to become an opening circle, right? It becomes an expanding circle in which fruit now abides and we praise him. I think that's all I have to say. Let's pray. Now I love you, Father. I love you and thank you that you first loved us and we have such a love. And Father, I, I, even as we're uh, pouring over this word and pouring over its truth, Holy Spirit, come and make this truth alive and available and applicable and, ener- and full of energy and life for all of us. Yes, Father, come and do that work. Come do it at the table now. We're going to take these, the elements in us. That's how you abide. You come into us. Oh, I praise you. You don't despise our flesh. You come, in our, you come here. You come to this place. Father, I pray that today the love we find at the table in the death of your son and in the words about it, I pray that they would just spring open to life for others. <laughs> that we would come out of here and it wouldn't stop here, but it would flow out into gospel saving love for our city and for our generation. Father, I thank you for abiding with us, for, for living here and living in this and being so present with me. I want to thank you how you proved, you have actually directly proved this truth to me again and again. If I will seek to abide in you, uh, everything flows out of that. Mm. So Father, make that come, make that come true uh, by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and because your children have asked for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Father. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. There's wine to the right and grape juice to the left for those whose conscience or taste prefers it. Um, what am I, what, 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 are we, what, are we, what do I have in my hands here? A perfect visual tool to explain everything the sermon was about. <laughs> this goes into you. It creates energy in you. It creates life, right? Food doesn't come in you passively. It's active, all this stuff. It's all here. So even if I'm just a complete idiot, you should be able to get this. You get it? That's the point of the table. Is it's meant to, it's one of the, it's the way God, it's God's baby talk. It's how he talks to us as babies. So we can't miss the point. His righteousness for us. Praise him. Amen. (laughs) So who do I invite to this table? With joy. I invite children of God who are sinners and have been, who are just sick of their ruin and sick of their, and want to abide in him. That's a part of that abiding. It's returning again and again, right? It's a part of that abiding in life is the repenting. Now, if you're a sinner, this is your table. If you have, if you know Jesus and call on his name, this is your table as a sinner. Now, you know, I always give the warning. There's a, there's a barrier here. There's a barrier, there's a door that no man can open. And that door is this. If you think you're a good person and you would open the door to heaven and abide in him through your good works, you are sorely mistaken. You're in the wrong church. There are other churches committed that are there for good people. We're not here for the healthy. We're here for the sick. Praise him. 
And finally, if you're a skeptic and, and you find my, my claims to be outlandish or outrageous, well, we'll see what we can do about that. But I ask you to watch us, and perhaps you will envy us, our communion with our God. Mm. Okay, you notice this communion? Communion with our God, communion with each other. You notice that? It's the same principles in the, in the, in the text are being enacted. That's why we always take this together as a group. Because we believe we only truly know God's love and the cross together. Praise him. All right, so uh, what do we do now? Let's stand. All right, we got a bunch of stuff that's going to come together now. We're going to, uh, we're going to do, uh, proclaim the mystery of faith and then, rec- and then do the Apostles' Creed together. I ask you to assent to all those things happening in space and time. Not some myth or child story, but it's truth. And then uh, in order to come to the table... And then we will sing a song, and then uh, we will be led by the children in our final doxology. I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, then we will be done. Tell me, uh, my brothers and sisters, I, I love to hear it. Will you let's proclaim together the mystery of, of faith? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Amen. Tell me, Christian, brother and sister, first press, what, what, what do you all believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. I died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. And is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Now I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.